0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to a brand new edition of this incredible podcast, Physics of the Mystics. I have to begin by apologizing for not having made one of the um, podcasts in a long, long time. I received so many emails, literally thousands of people listening to this podcast all over the world. It's mind-blowing how much interest there is um, uh, on this subject, in this subject, on this subject, whatever the right way of saying it is. But I've been bogged down with a lot, a lot of stuff. And I'm hoping that I'm going to be able to now focus my attention on this subject. It's in a very, very fascinating subject. How quantum physics, science, how it is so, so um, eye-opening on the age-old principles of mysticism and chassidism. You know, one of the things that Torah tells us is that when mashiach comes the ultimate purpose and goal for god creating this world the world will be filled with the awareness of god as the waters fill the oceans and these discoveries in science in the last 50 75 100 years is literally recognizing the principles of hasidus and kabbalah that i'm sharing with you here on this incredible podcast physics of the mystics hold on tight Because today we're going to have a phenomenal, phenomenal podcast. I'm going to try to make it simple. That's going to be the new modus operandi. We're going to try to make it simple because the truth is this is a very, very difficult subject. And a lot of people think they know what they're talking about and imagining um, not exactly what this science is all about. My name is Rabbi Shlomo Azagwe. I'm a rabbi here. In South Florida, I've authored a book on Maimonides that covers the entire magnum opus of the Ramba, Maimonides, all 14 volumes. It's called Maimonides Advice for the 21st Century. I've authored this incredible book called Spiritual Soul Book, over 800 pages, 300 chapters on everything you can imagine um, on spirituality, stories, inspiration, about dreams, about the soul, about thought, about speech, about action. So many incredible things. It's called a spiritual soul book, and I'm. Uh, it's being revised as we speak right now. And then I'm working now on this incredible new book, which I believe and I hope is going to bring to the world of science um, a brand new appreciation for this science itself, um, quantum physics. I'm not going to spill the beans quite yet on what specifically I mean, but I'm very excited about it. So let me begin today's podcast with a quote from Paul Dirac. Paul Dirac said the following. Hold on tight for this for this quote. The mathematician plays a game in which he himself invents the rules, while the physicist plays a game in which the rules are provided by nature. But as time goes on, it becomes increasingly evident that the rules which the mathematician finds interesting are the same as those which nature has chosen. Very, very deep and very insightful. And from this quote, you can tell Paul Dirac was literally hitting on what the theme of this podcast is all about. Scientists are coming from the exterior and mathematicians are coming from the exterior. We're trying to make sense of this universe, of this world, of the energy that is all around us. So we try to use some kind of tools, which we devise in the form of equations that the mathematicians offer. But then, when it comes down to it, we start to realize that what the physicists are putting their finger on, so to say, is, in truth, what is real. And the mathematicians are discovering what happens to be the nature that the physicists We're always recognizing. That's an incredible, deep, deep, deep statement. We can make a whole couple of podcasts just on that statement alone from Paul Dirac, but I'm not going to do that today. But I'd like to continue talking about that I remember um, quite well, but actually pretty, pretty vague. It's been so many weeks since the last podcast, but I'll tell anybody who's listening to this podcast to listen to the one before this and maybe the one before that as well. And you will, um, be, uh, you you will be able to appreciate what we're going to talk today. and That is the strangest, the strangeness of the quantum world, and how um, the understanding of Hasidism, and the understanding of Kabbalah and the understanding of Judaism, which we say in the Elena L'Shabeiach, Joshua is the one that composed the le L'Shabeiach, the great successor of Moses, and in it he says, "Ephes Belade," there's nothing else but God. And that is really the true appreciation and understanding of the quantum world and the strangeness of this quantum world, which is really impossible to understand, as um Feynman said, because my thoughts are not your thoughts, says God. Even Moses wanted to understand God, and there was a limit to how far Moses could go. Certainly, all these are these are the smartest and most intelligent people that ever lived on the face of this earth. Moses, King Solomon, and God tells them it's impossible for a human being in their own physical brain and in a brain which was designed in such a way that it has a certain structure and has a certain finite dimension to it to be able to understand the infinite. So by our very nature, it's impossible to grasp and to truly understand, but we can reach the limits of our understanding. And the further we go in reaching those limits, the deeper will be our appreciation of those aspects and of that infinite world that is truly impossible really to understand as a human being. So in this quantum world, let me share with you a number of things that um, physicists and scientists find difficult to understand. Couple of things that are pretty difficult to put our um finger on it and let me just tell you what those words are and give you a little basic simple explanation of what they are and how this really fits in to um the underlying explanation to what the universe is about and how God created it and it actually adds a tremendous amount of 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 light um, uh, to to what is difficult to understand for the scientists, for the physicists. So let me tell you what it is. There is what's called quantum entanglement. There is what's called um, quantum superposition. There is what's called quantum teleportation. There is called something that's called quantum tunneling. So let me give you some background and let me help you understand all of that with the... Um, wisdom of Kabbalah and mysticism. What is quantum entanglement? Let's start with that. Okay, so quantum entanglement is a phenomenon in quantum mechanics where two or more particles can become correlated in such a way that the state of one particle is dependent on the state of the other, even if they are separated by large distances. That's the point. This correlation is not limited to the classical notion of correlation that is recognized through the physics of Newton and Einstein. But rather, there's a stronger connection where the state of one particle is intrinsically linked to the state of the other. So when these two quantum particles are entangled, this is the mind blowing idea, measuring the state of one particle can instantaneously determine the state of the other particle regardless of the distance between them. Now that's the big deal because according to the science of Einstein, nothing can travel faster than the speed of light. And yet in quantum entanglement, we are able to discover the state of one particle and immediately the state of its entangled pair, even when there are great distances from each other, faster than the speed of light. And this is like hard to make sense of. This behavior is referred to as non-locality, and it is one of the most mysterious features of quantum mechanics. So, This entanglement is a fundamental concept in quantum mechanics. It plays a central role in many quantum technologies, and it's helping to um, uh, design quantum computing and the security that goes along with it, quantum cryptography. Um, It's important um, in its implications for our understanding of the nature of reality, and it's Challenges all the classical notions of causality and locality because, for example, in this quantum entanglement and in this quantum superposition and in this quantum tunneling, there is such a thing that's called retroactive causality, where what happens now causes something to have changed in the past. So it's the now can have an effect on the past. How does that work when we know time? moves along in certain sequence so how can now have a have an effect on the past but if you're a person that you know believes and knows in the concepts of teshuva for example repentance we know that with the power of god and that's what i'm going to get into in just a moment so hold on to what i'm talking about and discussing in today's physics of the mystics podcast so when you have the help of God through a commandment that God gives us to, um and it's actually in the this week's Torah portion and in last week's Torah portion, the strength of Yom Kippur and the power of atonement to go back in time and clean up what happened in the past, not only clean up what happened in the past, but actually change the past into um, a new identity where a sin can turn into a merit. That's retroactive causality. So what scientists are discovering today is nothing strange or or not known by people who have studied the commandments in the Torah and the way those things work. But getting back to quantum entanglement and quantum superposition, so that's quantum entanglement, where quantum objects when they're entangled and then they go on separate paths and very high far distances um so through the through the uh measuring a quantity on a particle this actually determines on the entangled particle at a far distance and at a speed faster than light what we will discover over there incredible and this ties in with quantum superposition which is a concept in physics that describes a state where a quantum particle like an electron or a photon it can exist in multiple states all at the same time and these states are called superposed states now let me explain to you something which hopefully will make things less complicated you have the scientists and you have the physicists that are trying to explain things. But they're explaining it from a perspective of looking at what's happening and how it's behaving. So there are really two perspectives you have to always keep in mind. And that is looking at it from the outside or trying to understand what's happening internally, which expresses itself by the way it behaves to the eye, and from the outside. So therefore, when we describe certain matter or certain um, entangled uh, uh, quantum particles, sometimes it appears as the explanation is not covering the entire uh, 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 activity that's taking place. That's because We're trying to explain things from the position of the outside, but then we're trying to turn into why it's happening that way. And that's internally the reason why he expresses itself that way um, from the inside towards the outside. I don't want to get too complicated right now, but, you know, in quantum mechanics, they've come to um, an understanding that there are 24 quantum fields and that's something for another podcast how that itself fits in so well into the 12 hours of the day and the 12 hours of the night and the 12 tribes and the 12 months and it's not just a superficial relationship um, in numbers but this is an expression of all those mystical and Kabbalistic truths that we are recognizing and discovering as another, so to say, aspect of what makes this podcast to be so powerful and so strong. It's another aspect of this Kabbalah and this mysticism that is expressing itself and is already giving us a taste of the God that is behind everything that's already described in the blueprint of it all, and that's in the Torah. So let me move back from quantum field theory and the 24 different quantum fields to the quantum entanglement and to the quantum superposition, which we have such a difficulty trying to make sense of it. And the reason why we have such a difficulty trying to make sense of it is because how does it happen Let me give you an example. Imagine you have a coin that is spinning in the air. Before it lands on heads or tails, it's in a state of a superposition where it could be either heads or tails when it's spinning, right? However, once it lands, it's no longer in a superposed state. Once it comes down on a flat surface, what you see is heads or tails. And what's on the other side depending on what side you're looking on, will be the other side of the coin, and it'll be either heads or tails. But in the quantum world, particles can exist in multiple superposed states simultaneously until they are observed or measured, which causes the superposition to collapse into a single state. And this phenomenon is the basis for some of the strange counterintuitive properties of quantum mechanics. Like in the case of quantum entanglement, where the two states are entangled with each other in such a way that studies have determined, it's not even like it's a heads and a tails, just waiting for you to discover what side is heads and what side is tails. In this state of quantum superposition and in quantum entanglement, it is actually... Not one state or the other until it becomes either heads or tails or until you discover one state, then what will happen in this um, uh, other pair in quantum entanglement will reveal itself in such a way that it will now become what you discover of it. I hope you're all following along with what I'm talking about. And if not, please send me an email to physicsofthemystics@gmail.com. at gmail.com. So we will have to explain this on a, on a on a on an even further simple level so that I want everybody to understand what we're talking about. And you're going to have to hold on for a couple of podcasts, I believe, in order to truly catch the drift of what quantum physics and quantum mechanics and quantum field theory is all about. Because I know for myself, when I started first becoming very intrigued and interested, it took a long, long time for me to figure that when physicists and scientists are talking, so, you know, they use certain terms, which really isn't an accurate description of what's happening. They're trying to make it simple. But the truth is, once you start getting a grasp of what's happening, it doesn't cover the whole explanation, and it only from one perspective, as I just... Discussed with you a couple of minutes minutes ago. So in talking about quantum entanglement and quantum superposition, we come to this other uh, um, phenomenon in quantum mechanics, which is called quantum teleportation. And that is where there is a transfer of quantum information, not necessarily matter, but there's a transfer of quantum information at these speeds that are greater than light. And that's really what everybody's scratching their head and trying to figure out. How could there be a transfer of information? How? What is the mechanics of it that can transfer something at speeds faster and greater than the speed of light? How does it work out that in quantum entanglement and these two things that started out to be entangled, when you measure the state of one particle, instantaneously, the state of the other particle is expressed and revealed as if what happened to one caused the other thing to happen. And until the two are not discovered, we know that each state of both particles are really nothing, and they're not one state or the other until the observer observes one particle then it becomes what the observer observed and then that causes the other particle at this very far distance to express and reveal its own identity these are very very difficult things to understand but i'm going to give you a very very simple explanation to it and the simple explanation goes like this and that's what makes this podcast mind-blowing mind-bending because we recognize that what the great Kabbalists and the great mystical teachers took so um, took so so for granted is 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 is, is really what physicists and scientists um, are trying to figure out. And what's the explanation according to Kabbalah? So according to Kabbalah, it goes like this. So I was I was sharing with you this book, the one from Heinrich Paz, where we have this theory that in truth, behind everything here in this universe, which is all energy, right? That's the great theory that Einstein taught us. Matter is energy and energy turns into matter. So everything really at its root is energy. And as I just shared with you a minute ago, there are 24 fields in quantum mechanics of this energy. That's how they describe it. But I'm going to tell you that it's really not exactly accurate as we move along in these podcasts. It's not exactly true. You know, as I quoted to you from Paul Dirac, we need to have some kind of a way to make order. So we call the mathematician and we tell him to create all different types of equations so that we can somehow try to figure out an order to what's going on you know when you see the sun coming up or when you see for example the leaves of the tree moving and you want to be able to take control over the matter so you want to make statistics and you want to make certain probabilities so that you know you can prepare yourself for the movement of those leaves and um and and and, and behave accordingly you just don't want to leave everything to be random because it's hard to live in a random world. We need to live in some kind with some kind of certainty. And the certainty is brought about through the equations of the mathematician. But then the equations of the mathematician starts to discover that it's not really the equations of the mathematician that's making sense of what's happening. What's happening is actually expressing itself in the equations of the mathematician, the phenomena that's taking place is the substance that's happening that we happen to discover when we recognize and we look at it um, in 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 the in the right perspective. So, as far as um, the explanation according to Kabbalah goes, the explanation is that. The whole world, the whole universe is an expression of God. God is the essence of the energy. And the Torah tells us that this energy, for example, when it talks about the manna from heaven, when it talks about the manna from heaven, let me just remind everybody again, interject. I need to hear from all of you that are listening to me. I see from the statistic that it's literally all over the world in the thousands of people listening to me. But I really enjoy, and it means a lot to me when you send me emails to mystics at gmail.com. Just checking in or suggesting or giving me your feedback. It means a real ton to me that I hear from people. So send in your emails to mystics at gmail.com. Okay, so back to what we're talking about. When the Torah tells us that the Jewish people ate manna from heaven when they were traveling for 40 years in the wilderness. And King David explains it to us as the food and the bread of the angels. Now, angels are spiritual. Angels don't eat um, coriander seed-looking food um, that tastes like uh, honey, right? That's how Kitzapichis Bidvash. That's how the Torah describes the manna. Coriander seed and that was covered with dew, and was sitting upon dew, D-E-W, dew. And um, it tasted like honey or anything that a person had in his mind. And I'm gonna talk about this another time. It was everything they had in their mind. You know why? Because it was the quantum field that they were eating in the form of energy. And what they had in their mind as observers actually defined the food that they were eating. So according to what they had in their mind, that's what the Torah tells us, ladies and gentlemen. The Torah tells us that it was whatever they had in their mind. The observer, the mind, had that kind of a power that it molded the taste of that energy in their body. And because it was so spiritual, there was no waste. They didn't have to go to the bathroom, to the toilet for 40 years. The Jewish people didn't have to go to the bathroom or to the toilet. But it's explained in the Hasidic and mysticism that what kind of food from heaven what kind of food of the angels could the people be eating? The angels don't eat any kind of physical food or any kind of physical energy. It's all metaphysical. It's all spiritual. But it went through a process that that energy, it sort of say, cautioned, and it became physical so that it actually turned into this physical mana that was down on the ground that people were able to put into their mouths just like the principle that Einstein is telling us, where he explains to us that energy turns into matter. In the same way that energy, which is something that nobody could ever see, we only feel the outcome of energy, but we don't ever see what the energy is. When two magnets are repelled or attracted to each other, we feel the energy, but nobody can ever see it and touch it. We can measure it from its power, from its voltage, from its wattage, but nobody can ever touch it um, and, 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 and see it with their own eyes. But that's what turns into an actual force that actually moves machinery that, uh, 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 that, that creates electrical magnetic fields that turn into light and that can cause tremendous uh, uh, um, impact and 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 uh, physical creation, right? So it's from the what was not seen that it becomes measured and able to be touched, and then from there it actually turns into electricity and to uh, uh, into different states. In which, for example, we know the different states where you have uh, um, air can turn into steam. And the steam turns into water, and to the water turns into an actual piece of ice. So the same thing is also mysticism explains. I don't even know how long I've been talking now on this um podcast. And we're not supposed to talk for too long, right? That's the goal. Let me see how long have I have I been talking? Um, I don't see the uh time thing over here. Okay, so you know what? I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna like uh um bring today's podcast. It's been so long since we had this podcast and I'm so sorry that I haven't made one for so long. And so many of you have sent me in your emails, which I, I, I maybe should go through every single one of them and 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 tell you how thankful I am. And I did not respond to everybody quite yet, but I will, God willing. Um, and we had this $260 raffle that already the recipient received and hopefully already used all that money. And we bumped into... Um, somebody else that comes to my classes of all things and uses that winner um, of the $260 Amazon gift card as his accountant. Well, that was like, talk about a small world. But this is what we're talking about on today's Physics of the Mystics podcast, where underlying everything is godliness. God is beyond any kind of understanding and any kind of being able to wrap your head around because he is infinite out of this infinite godliness that is difficult to understand, as Feynman and as all the great physicists are telling us that it's very hard to make sense of all these things, that's a different world that's before it becomes uh, uh, uh the physical matter that Newton's mechanics and that Einstein's mechanics can measure in a very concrete fashion, this is a level before it becomes concrete. The the quantum physical world. And the quantum physical, the quantum mechanics and the quantum science and all this quantum stuff which is very real is an expression of something which is even deeper than that. And that is the invisible God. The invisible God that turned into the food of the manna that the observer and that the individual, depending on his own coarseness or depending on his own uh, mental perspective, this is what would affect the taste of the mana. The same thing is also, those are the different stages that we are going to discuss and try to work um, around to make greater sense of a field that physicists and these Nobel Prize winners are still trying to work out but for people like you and me and the great rabbis have it all makes sense and this is the explanation to so many of the rules and the laws that the Torah tells us and when you understand the um uh, uh, the quantum physics and when you understand the Kabbalistic underlying underpinning the whole thing makes so much sense that you become very strongly Uh, um, excited about praying. You become strongly excited about the strength of faith and of trust in God and what that connects you with and what will come as a result of your positive expectations of God's goodness and of God's kindness. So ladies and gentlemen, um, I most likely did not finish to many of yours satisfaction and that's exactly what I want to hear from your um, emails so that you can tell me specifically and direct me what I should be talking about on the next podcast, which will hopefully and God willing not take as long as this one did um, from the last one that we already had. So until next time, be assured of the fact that when you do mitzvahs and when you learn Torah and when you put on tefillin, you are making a tremendous, tremendous impact, not just in your own life, But since the whole world and the whole universe is all connected to each other in ways that connect faster than the speed of light, know that what you're doing has that impact in actuality. Not that you have to hope for it. Not that you have to even have trust in it. That's what's happening. So until next time, stay strong and uh, see, see you next time.